Lord, grant us success as we read your word today for our 365 daily Bible reading. Father, we come to you asking you to give us a heart and a mind, ears to hear your word. Lord, you said where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you will be in the midst of us. We thank you that you give us the desires of our hearts to learn and know your word. Help us, Lord God, to worship you and praise you and give you glory and honor in our lives. Lord, by reading your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 20 to 22-24 for January the 9th. Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then he moved to Gerar while living there as a foreigner. Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, She's my sister. So King Abimelech at Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. But that night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, You're a dead man for that woman you have taken is already married. But Abimelech had not just slept with her yet, so he said, Lord, will you destroy innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she is my sister? And she herself said, yes, he is my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In the dream, God responded, yes, I know you are innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me. And why I did not let you and why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband, and he will pray for you, for he is a prophet. Then you will live. But if you don't return to her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. Abimelech got up early the next morning and quickly called all of his servants together. When he told them what had happened, his men were terrified. Then Abimelech called for Abraham. What have you done? He demanded. What crime have I committed that deserves treatment like this? Making me and my kingdom guilty of this great sin. No one should ever do what you have done. Whatever possessed you to do such a thing. Abraham replied, I thought this is a godless place. They will want my wife and will kill me to get her. And she really is my sister, for we both have the same father but different mothers, and I married her. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, do me a favor, wherever we go, tell the people that I am your brother. Then Abimelech took some of his sheep and goats, cattle and male and female servants, and he presented them to Abraham. He also returned his wife Sarah to him. Then Abimelech said, look, over my land and choose any place would you like to live. And he said to Sarah, Look, I'm giving you your brother, I'm giving your brother a thousand pieces of silver in the presence of all these witnesses. This is to compensate you for any wrong I may have done to you. This will settle any claim against me, and your reputation is clear. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, so they could have children. 
For the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened to with Abraham's wife, Sarah. Chapter 21. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened as just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. Then Santa declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. This would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yes, I have given Abraham a son in his old age. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant, Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, Get rid of that slave and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of your descendants of Hagar's sons, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up the next early the next morning, prepared food and, and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness in Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went to and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. Away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. I thought the boy was about 13, 14 years old. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer. And he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. About this time, Abimelech came with Philco, his army commander, to visit Abraham. God is obviously with you, helping you in everything you do, Abimelech said. Swear to me in God's name that you will never deceive me, my children, or any of my descendants. I have been loyal to you, so now swear that you will be loyal to me and to this country where you are living as a foreigner. Abraham replied, Yes, I swear to it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servants had taken by force from Abraham's servants. 
This is the first I heard of it, Abimelech answered. I have no idea who is responsible. You have never complained about this before. Abraham then gave some of his sheep, goat, and cattle to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. But Abraham also took seven additional female lambs and set them off by themselves. Abimelech asked, Why have you set these seven apart from the others? Abraham replied, Please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means well of the oath, because that's what, where they had sworn the oath. After making their covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech left with Philco, the commander of his army, and they returned home to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he worshiped the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham lived as a foreigner in Philistine country for a long time. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He sat on his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out to, for the place God had told him. About one on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther and we will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on that boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your own son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his thorn in a ticket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Say it with me. 
on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Amen. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba where Abraham continued to live. Soon after this, Abraham heard that Milcah, his brother Nahor's wife, had borne Nahor eight sons. The oldest was named Uz. The next oldest was Buzz, followed by Kemul, the ancestor of the Armenians, Kased, Hasol, Pildash, Jidlap, and Betuel. Betuel became the father of Rebekah. In addition to these eight sons from Milcah, Nahor had four other children from his concubine Reuma. Their names were Tiba, Gaham, Tahash, and Makah. All right, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about um, what we just read. It's interesting, the name Yahweh Jairah, Jairah, which means the Lord will provide. Yahweh Jairah, the Lord will provide. A lot of times, all we need to do is praise the Lord and sing songs to Him and, and, and use these names in the song. On the mountain of the Lord, it will provide. On the mountain of Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide it. Make sure you say it. Whatever we need. We praise Him and we thank Him for He knows all things. It certainly was a, a testing for Abraham when he asked him to sacrifice Isaac. God did not want to watch Abraham fail. He wanted to depend on Abraham. Abraham's capacity to obey and thus to develop his character God wanted to rearrange Abraham's priorities. When he, we are tested, we can complain about the pain. We can rejoice that God is at work in our hearts. Wow, what a test, huh? Thank God he passed the test. And uh, Okay, let me read in the Recovery Bible what it has to say about it. Recovery Bible. to 2022. So why is it so difficult to learn life's most important lessons? To protect himself, Abraham lied, telling Abimelech that his wife Sarah was his sister. The sad truth is Abraham had made this mistake before. He had fallen into a pattern of using deceit to protect himself. But this only caused pain to everyone involved. I don't know. I think Abraham was pretty smart. Huh? He ended up with a lot of camels, gold, silver bars, land. 
I mean, I mean, what a deal. He got a thousand pieces of silver. Uh, Sarah did, which Abraham took, I'm sure. He only did it once. He, did, he ended up with um, servants from the Egyptians and servants from the Philippines from Abimelech. So you ask me, God keeps his word. When we claim his promises, we know, when we claim his promises. Has anybody been claiming God's promises out there? When we claim his promises, we know that our sovereign God is able to fulfill them. Under normal circumstances, there was, was no way that Sarah could have become a mother, but God gave her a child anyway. Sometimes we may feel that complete recovery is just as impossible or anything, but with God, it can be a reality. With Him, anything is possible. God's request that Abraham sacrifice his son was a great test of faith, perhaps the greatest such test in history. Abraham's lifelong dreams were being realized in his beloved son, Isaac. Wasn't God's promise of numerous descendants to be fulfilled through his, this child? But Abraham believed that God had his best in mind. And Abraham was right. He believed that no matter what God required of him, his obedience to God's plan was most important, his obedience. He trusted that he would still make his promise come true. Even without Isaac, our faith in God's program may be confronted by similar tests. If we're ready to follow through, we are ready and we can follow through this obedience. All we have to do is thank God for the test that's in front of us and we will fly in full colors. Thank you, God, for all I'm going through. I don't understand it, but I thank you for it anyway. Thank you, God, in the mountain of the Lord, Jehovah Jireh will provide. Thank you for your word. You will provide. Thank you, Lord, Jehovah Jireh. The supply for it is not here yet, but it will come. If we should have it, it will surely come. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided for. Amen. That's asking and claiming and, and rejoicing and being obedient in front of any circumstance. Why? Because we have our instructor, the Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ and His Word, and the love that we have in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's our ticket to heaven, folks. That's our claim ticket. In Genesis 22, verses 1 through 19, we demonstrate faith just by the fact that we are involved in meetings, uh, helping others, loving others, developing ourselves in the recovery program. If we didn't have faith in the promise of a better future for ourselves and our family, we wouldn't put ourselves through the hard work and pain involved in restoration and recovery. But as time passes, we may grow discouraged of the length of the process. We may have our spirits dampened by the ups and downs along the road, bumping heads with other people, bumping heads with our own bills, our own uh, character defects, our self-pity, you know, our, 
are, are dominating spirits that we want to conquer this thing right away. We want, we want to see results, even though it took us years and years and years to do the wrong thing. Now we want quick results. We're, we're uh, testy, unsettling, and want quick results. But some people report instant release from their addictions, but for most of us, it will take faith and patience to inherit the promise of a new life, like the promises. It took me a long time, but that's because I was fretting. I wouldn't read the information for years, you know, just go to meetings and not dive into the literature. And, but God wouldn't, wouldn't give up. And he made, finally made me start reading the literature. The writer of Hebrews wrote, You will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. The entire story of Abraham's life can be found in Genesis 11 to 25. You know, I just want to say it's really interesting. The fact is that God changed Abraham and Sarah's name to more bolder action type uh, prophetic he changed their name from non-prophetic to prophetic. That's one of the reasons now that we're in Christ, we want to be prophetic in our asking for situations. A prophetic theme would be, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided for. Yea, though the supply, we may not see it yet, but it will come. If we should have it, it will surely come. Amen. That's a prophetic faith statement, folks. And the more we say it, the more we believe it. And once we start to believing it, the more it will, it, it, our faith will release spiritual words and, and the prophecies will come to pass. Whatever is holding back the promise, it's un, our unbelief or on the fact that we're not asking for the order or that we don't feel loved enough to receive the order, or that we're asking and we're holding the door closed and we're not letting the door, the latch, we're not letting go of the latch. There's a lot of things psychologically from hurts or whatever. We have to be obedient and prophesy into the future with a big joy, with a big air full of belly, full of air and say, yay, Though the supply for it is not here yet, but on the mountain of the Lord, Jehovah Jireh will provide it. We shall surely have it and rejoice for it and thank God for it. Amen. Something on that nature, folks. Just let it rip. The key point to consider here is that Abraham waited 25 years to see the promise fulfilled. Wow. As he waited, there were times when he showed impatience. At one point, he took matters into his own hands, having a son by means of a second wife. Well, he didn't do it. His wife did, Sarah. Brought him his Egyptian servant and said, Here, 
sleep with her, marry her. All he was was just obedient. At times, he probably wondered if he had ever really received the promise at all. <laughs> he even laughed in disbelief when it was told the promise was soon to come about. But in the end, he did receive the promise. And at the end of his life, the Lord had blessed him in every way. Let's keep holding on the fact that recovery, restoration, and promises usually take time doesn't mean that our fate is in vain. We keep believing. Like I'm still believing for a vision, a provision, a promise from the late 80s. So you got 80s. 90s, 2009, that's 30 years, 30, 30 something years on that promise that I received. And it can happen just like that. I'm still believing God and I believe it and I believe it. So I got to continue to believe it. One of the, one of them was that I would be a, a good pilot. I taken piloting air, airplane, air, aeronautic, I picked up uh, aeronautic uh, apps on my computer to learn how to fly airplanes, um, learn and study airports, in and out landings and their procedures and, you know, all kinds of things that uh, said in the direction I wanted to go. Amen. It's like anything, you know, and jumped out of an airplane to find out what that feels like at 12,000 feet. Yeah, I had a parachute. All my friends said, did you have a parachute, Fernando? Oh, they, they love me. What love Abraham must have felt for this long-awaited son, how did his heart must have ached at the thought of killing him? Again, how could this have been right? At the end of the story, we see that God spared Isaac by providing a ram at his as his substitute. God had also provided a substitute for all of us. Jesus Christ, God did not spare himself the pain of seeing his son suffer and die. He suffered so that we might be spared suffering and have a means for recovery from sin and its destructive effects. This is a good time to shout and to praise God that he has provided it on the mountain of the Lord the Lord has provided himself as a sacrifice that we may be restored and, and make it back into heaven through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ. He died for us so that we may have life, eternal life, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, now we're going to move on to the New Testament. Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 29. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the reading of the book of Matthew. We thank you for these verses, these words that Jesus left us. Bring them home to us, Lord. Make them crystal clear. Help us to understand, Lord, more and more of your word, Lord. Give us renewed strength and renewed interest, Lord. Yes, Lord. And the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will provide it. 
it, the supply, it may not be here yet, but it will come if we should have it. It will surely come in Jesus' name. Amen. Beware of false prophets who come to disguise as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from twistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now everyone who calls out to me, Jesus, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Notice that he didn't say, you didn't read my word. Lord, we read your word in your name, not like we're doing. He commanded us to read his word. We are reading his word. Anyone who listens to my teachings, chapter 24, anyone who listens to my teachings and follow them, is, it is wise, like a person. Anyone who listens to my, excuse me, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise, that's economic, folks, and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash, crash and burn. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Amen. um, I believe the Jewish people, when they set apart children for the ministry, like Jesus was, probably the firstborn, they probably had to memorize the first book of the Bible, Moses, the first, and then uh, memorize Job, Proverbs, and Psalms. So you can say Jesus was, that's why they call him rabbi. That's why uh, Andrew and John, the sons of Zebedee, called him rabbi because he had a distinction he carried a a robe a tunic with him or something that signified that he was he was set apart and he was you know he was from the college of the of the rabbis of the teachers amen
how else would they know other than John when John saw him and pointed out, see, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So there's the one God has sent. All right, in chapter Matthew, chapter 7, verses 15 through 29, the commentary Bible says, Prayer can teach us perseverance. These three commands, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking, are positive habits we should develop. Okay, that's that was yesterday's teaching. Today, we're talking about good fruit, that you will know them by their actions. And actions and good fruit are, are the same thing. The good fruit that our lives should be producing is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. In the throes of an addiction, however, we are without peace and totally out of control. If we take an honest moral inventory, we will admit that the fruits of our lives are not those that God intended for us. Once we admit our failures, we can enter recovery and work with God to produce the fruit that He wants for us. Amen. Amen. One more commentary. The two lives Jesus compares at the end of the sermon on the Mount has several points in common. They both hear Jesus teaching the house. They both build and they both experience the same storms in life. The difference between them isn't caused by ignorance. They both had the knowledge they needed. Rather, the difference is how they responded to Jesus' teaching. Externally, their lives may look similar, but the lasting structural difference will be revealed by how they weather these storms. When you follow Jesus, the immediate difference in your life may not be obvious, but loving God is a pattern that will turn out to affect even your eternal destiny. To what degree does your life follow Jesus' teaching and His Sermon on the Mount? Well, you know, the degree is reading, looking at the words of God. It's like getting out and getting 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the sun through the photosynthesis, the phone just, the sun just creates vitamin D in our system and just creates life. It gives us so much nourishment. Uh, men become men, women become women on the sunlight. And, and it's uh, healthy to walk around in the sunlight to get your half hour, whatever, time in there. Now, it's the same thing with reading the Word of God. Reading the Word of God, the Word is pregnant with God in itself, and we cultivate that Word, and we build our houses on the Word, and the Word stays with us. It's very different from listening. You know, listening could be, uh, 
you know, taking a shower, but reading the Word of God is like having a good meal. You know, it stays with you. And that's what we're doing. We're doing the hard part. Opening the, the Bible and sticking your nose on it is not easy. And disciplining yourself may take years. But God is patient. Okay, reading the Psalms, chapter 9. With joy that God is making everything right and will not abandon those who search for him. There it is, folks. We pray, Lord, Psalm 9. Lord, with, with rejoicing that, God, you are making everything right in our lives. You will not abandon the work of your hands because we are reading your word, Lord. We are searching for the Lord through his word. And we are prophesying into the future, saying, Lord, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided for. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided for. Thank you, Lord, for it. Yea, though the supply for it is not here yet, but it will come if we should have it. It will surely come. Amen. Stop your feet and yell it out and get excited about your need that's prompted you to speak out in prophecy to the future. Just like King David. King David did the same. He said, hey, Lord, it's not here yet. My enemies are coming after me, and your promises say this. Where is the great God of Israel? Where is... And he would just hit on God hard. And God will love him for his courage and take it all in. And at the end, they would embrace. And he goes, thank you, Father, for I know you have my best interest in, in heart. And I thank you for the strength in me and making me bold as a lion. Amen. In Psalms 9, it says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. My enemies retreated. They staggered and died when you appeared. For you have judged in my favor. From your throne, you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have erased their names forever. The enemy is finished in endless ruins. The city you uprooted are now forgotten. But the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from his throne. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. For he who avenged murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore the cries of those who suffer. Amen. Beautiful psalm. For those who know your name, trust in you, Lord. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. We sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. We tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. For he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore the cries of those who suffer. 
Amen. And those of us who suffer need to speak like grown-ups, and we speak through the Bible, not through our complaining. If we complain about our circumstances, we get to keep our, our circumstances. If we claim His promises, we get to, to keep His promises, our choices. Proverbs 2, 16-22. Wisdom will save you from the immortal woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. She has abandoned her husband and ignores the covenant she made before God. Entering her house leads to death. It is the road to the grave. The man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the paths of life. Follow the steps of good men instead and stay on the path of the righteous. That's a 12-step program, folks. For only the godly will live in the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be removed from the land and the treasures will be uprooted. Amen. You know, I heard uh, one of the guys that made a, a billion-dollar museum over there by UCLA, very expensive area in Los Angeles, the Getty Museum, and put a lot of expensive uh, pictures in there. Mr. Getty himself, uh, that he was going to AA meetings, to 12-step meetings in his last days, because of the humanity and the miracle session and the entertainment. Entertainment, but the, the beautiful conduct of human nature in the meetings. You know, God speaks through people and you can hear God speak from anyone. The literature, the words, it's just an amazing, amazing antidote of, of wisdom being passed on through there. You know, there's a lot of open meetings. You can attend open meetings as a visitor and just sit down and listen. Closed meetings, are you, you have to be an alcoholic to go to closed meetings. They have NA meetings, uh, CA meetings, every kind of meeting you can think of on 12-step program. CODA meetings, El Anon, Overeaters Anonymous, uh, Achievers Anonymous, Smokers Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, all because they all pray and they ask God for help. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make His face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord look at us with approval and smile on us and give us His peace in Jesus' mighty name. Go in peace, family. Our teachings are ended for today.